right. Once again, it is good to see you all here this morning. Uh, both uh, Jim and Caleb are, are gone, so they asked the pinch hitter to get up and, uh, and, uh, and help out. So uh, I'm glad to do this, although once you've been out of practice for a while, it's, uh, you get some butterflies, so bear with me uh, as, we, as we go through this morning. You know, whenever you're, I, I was taught that whenever you're developing a sermon, you, you do it for a variety of reasons. You may do it to teach something or to help people see things in a way that they, they've not thought of before. Or you do it to convict people uh, that this is, this is something we need to do, this is something we need to work on. Or you do it to inspire and encourage people. Um, and, and as I've been thinking about this, this topic, I've been thinking that really I'm preaching to me this morning. And my hope is that what is going to encourage and inspire me, that there's someone out there that is, maybe needs to hear this lesson as well. And so I want you to know that up front, this is, this, is, this is for me, and I hope that it is going to encourage you. Now, as we begin this morning, I want to start off by showing you a well-loved member of our family. Uh, this is Patches. This is our our dog, and I, I didn't really mean for him to come out of the sunshine, like, but anyways, <laughs> um, but don't ooh and ah to, too much. He's, he, he's, he's really a moron. Um, <laughs> he, here's what we see a lot of the time uh, from him. Um, but this, this is Patches. He's a he's little bitty, little bitty guy. He's a Yorkie poo, and he he, he sleeps at the foot of our bed, but he's developed this really annoying habit recently of waiting until everybody is asleep, and then for some reason I am his target almost nightly now when I feel these little paws come up, and this is about 2 to 3 a.m., come up, and then he buries his head in my chest and does like this, and then he walks down to the end of the bed and turns around and goes, you coming? And if I don't respond immediately, I, the other night, I think it was four or five times, up and down, up and down, until finally I got up. And sometimes I'll go in, sometimes legitimately he won't have any water, but you know what mostly he wants? He just wants someone to go in the kitchen with him while he's drinking his water. <laughs> That's all he wants. That is not a fun way to be awakened every night. He's cute and all, but that's not a fun way to be awakened. But I'm praying today that we do have a rude awakening because I believe that in many ways we have fallen asleep. I know for myself I need to wake up from what I'm calling pandemic brain or pandemic heart because I believe that in a lot of ways I've fallen asleep and we need to awaken from our slumber and remember that God is still among us, that God is still present and that God is still sovereign over all. The, the, the reading that happened earlier this morning, I want us to, to look over that again, because I think it captures so well what I'd like to convey this morning. Make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day -day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God, the night's about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation 
work that he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around in dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. I loved that. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. So this morning what I'd like to do is I'd like for us to look at several different stories of people that fell asleep, either literally or figuratively, and talk about how we can wake up to God. So let's look at our first story this morning. The first story is found from Luke chapter 10. If you're using your online Bibles or you have a Bible that you want to look at, it's Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. And it says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So here we have Martha come up, and she is worried about the preparations. She's worried about, she wants Jesus to to feel welcome, but she probably also wants to impress him a little bit and make sure that all these preparations, everything looks perfect for Jesus. And she says, Jesus, make Mary help me. This is not fair. And Jesus responds and says, "You're, you're worrying about the wrong thing. And I'm afraid that like, like Martha, a lot of the times we fall asleep by letting the mundane things take away our time and interest in God in the pursuit of godliness. We fall asleep by letting mundane things take away our time and interest in God in the pursuit of godliness. Now, the forced quarantine that we had gave us all a chance to do some reflection, to focus on us in one way or another. I did the same thing that I heard many others doing. This is a great opportunity to exercise more. This is a great opportunity for me to develop myself professionally, maybe study and and take a new certification. This is a great time for me to do what I've always been dreaming about, write that book, paint that picture, launch a business, learn a new language. What I didn't hear a lot of during the quarantine was, I really want to focus on my spiritual life getting closer to God. While there's nothing wrong with self-improvement, I want us to understand that that's not the answer to, uh, that can't be a coping mechanism for us. Uh, Before COVID-19, the the CDC reported that 11% of U.S. adults reported symptoms of anxiety and depression. By the end of 2020, that number had risen to 42% of U.S. adults reporting symptoms of anxiety and depression. Now, here's my point. If self-development, if making ourselves better, if looking at all this is, supposed to, is, is going to be good for us and is the best thing, then why are we increasing in anxiety and depression? And I think the answer is because we're looking 
in the wrong place and we're focusing on the wrong things and mundane things can take out of the picture the most important thing and that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't let mundane things get in the way and we need to wake up to, to see God every day and, and not let these things get in our way that we have to do this or I have to do this little thing but I'm going to forget about God and then all of a sudden year two years go by and we go, oh yeah, God! Let's make sure God is a part of our everyday. Let's look at our next story. Our next story is uh, from Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36, and it says the following. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Here we see Jesus telling his disciples that he is sorrowful to the point of death. What an awful state Jesus must have been in to be feeling this way, and his disciples must have been very worried about him. But they fell asleep, not once, not twice, but three times. And that brings us to our next point. Sometimes we fall asleep when we miss an opportunity to be with the Lord. I can't help but wonder if the disciples, after this time, looked back and after Jesus was gone, ever said, he just wanted us to be with them. In those last moments, he said, come be with me, and, and we fell asleep, and that was our last chance that we had to be with Jesus. I wonder if they ever felt sorrowful about that. I wonder if they felt like they missed an opportunity. And I don't want us to miss an opportunity to be with Jesus. Now, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, there's a lot of talk about our, you know, masks and all that kind of stuff, and and I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but I do want you to know one thing. You don't need a mask to spend time with Jesus. You don't need a mask because you can do it wherever you are. And that's the beauty of spending time with God. We don't, have to, uh, we don't have to have this grand thing. We can take one minute out of our day to say, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. We can take a couple of minutes out of our day, as Jim uh, challenged us to last week, to read his word. 
I don't want us to miss an opportunity because we've fallen asleep. Where are the opportunities to be with God that are lying in front of us? Let's make sure that we take those. For our next story, it's not in the Bible, but it has a great biblical meaning. Have you ever heard the story of Rip Van Winkle? Anybody ever heard the story of Rip Van Winkle? The story goes something like this. It's set in the years before the American Revolutionary War in a village at the foot of New York's Catskill Mountains where Rip Van Winkle, who's a Dutch-American villager, lives. And one day in the autumn, in the fall, Van Winkle wanders into the mountains with his dog, Wolf, to get away from his wife's nagging. He hears his name called out, and he sees a man wearing old Dutch clothing. He's carrying a keg up the mountain, and he requires help. So together, the man and Wolf proceed to a hollow in which Rip discovers the source of thunderous noises, a bunch of men wearing old Dutch clothing with long beards playing bowling. I, don't ask me. I don't know what that's about. But Rip Van Winkle doesn't ask who they are, why they're there, how they know his name. Instead, he begins to drink some of the drink that they have with them, and he falls into a very deep sleep. When he awakens on the mountain, he discovers shocking changes. The musket that he had by his side is now rotten and rusted. His beard is a foot long and his dog is nowhere to be found. So he gets up and he wanders into the village only to find he can't find any of his friends. The Revolutionary War has happened and most of them died in the war. His wife has long since passed away and he finds another man named Rip Van Winkle in the village and it's his son, who didn't have any direction in his life because his father was not there. Now, this is a cautionary tale of what happens when we fall asleep in life and life just goes by and we don't pay attention. Now, here's what the Bible has to say about that from Psalm 90, verses 9 through 12. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so what I want us to understand from that story and from this scripture is this. We fall asleep when we're unaware of the passing of time. Now, sometimes we get into some things and they're a lot of fun, right? My kids love video games. I used to love video games when I was younger. Have you ever had an activity where you just, you just got into it and the next thing you know, it's like the middle of the night? Or maybe you found a really good book and you just started reading and the next thing you know, you've read through the whole night and you're, you're like, that was, that was fantastic. Or you start binging. Okay, we get on Netflix or whatever and we get going and then the next thing we know we're like, oh, we, I've got to work tomorrow and, and we've, we've spent a lot of time. But there are times in life when we fall asleep because we're unaware of the passing of time. My fear is that with social media and with the greatest amount of content to consume that's ever been created, that some t- that I, my fear is there will be more and more people that reach the end of their life and realize that they wasted a lot of it 
by consuming, 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 and not giving. And that's my fear, is that sometimes we're going to fall asleep to the passing of time and not pay attention. And this spills over into other things as well. Time flies right through our fingers, sometimes without us noticing. Now I'm going to show you another picture here from my life. This is a picture of me and my beautiful daughter. And uh, we got to go on a little daddy date last week. Um, so we had fun. We went out and uh, uh, she got to get some little jewelry things. And we went and got ice cream. And she chose Chick-fil-A um, as, the, as the restaurant. So we did that. And, and it was great. It was fantastic. Now, the reason I show you this picture, though, is not to brag on myself and say that I'm the greatest. In fact, I'm somewhat embarrassed to tell you that this was only the second one that we've had. Now, a long time ago, I had told myself that I'm going to spend time with my children. Now, I want them to be together as a family, and I want them to enjoy family time, but I also was like, I, I want to spend time individually with them so that they know that individually they are loved and they are respected for their uniqueness and that I have a relationship directly with them too, as well as with the whole entire family. But if we're not careful, time flies. As I said, this was only the second one I've had with her, and guess what? The boys, I haven't done my, this is the beginning of the second round. Here's a picture of the last one that I had with Fisher. This is April 1, 2016. That's five years ago. Five years ago, if we're not careful, time's just going to fly right through and we're not, we're, we're, we're not going to be paying attention. Are we falling asleep? I want to do better. I want to wake up to the passing of time. And I hope that you do too. Don't wait to do that fun thing that your kid wants to do. Don't wait for the perfect price to buy that thing for your wife. Don't wait for the stars to align perfectly before you apologize to that person you need to apologize to. Don't wait to teach your kids that they are in desperate need of a Savior and that His name is Jesus Christ. I found this the other day and I found it so appropriate. Parents who treat the church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. Again, if we're showing it one week, we say, well, okay, well, we're, we're not going to make it this week. And then the next week, well, we're not going to make it this week. And then we do things and we cut corners and we say, well, and then are we surprised when that message gets communicated? Oh, this must not be that important. Because the passage of time can tell people what is important. What do, where do you spend your time and where does it go without us even knowing? So let's look at another story that illustrates, illustrates the need for us to wake up. This is the, the story of A Christmas Carol, and we all know the story, right, of Ebenezer Scrooge. So A Christmas Carol opens on a bleak, cold Christmas Eve in London, seven years after the death of Ebenezer Scrooge's business partner, Jacob Marley. Scrooge is an old man who's cranky and doesn't get along with people at all. He refuses a dinner invitation from his nephew, Fred. He turns away two men who seek a donation from him to provide food and heating for the poor. And he only grudgingly allows his overworked and underpaid clerk, 
Bob Cratchit to have Christmas Day off. That night, Scrooge is visited in his home by Marley's ghost who wanders the earth with chains wrapped around him because of his greed and selfishness. Marley tells Scrooge that he has a single chance to avoid the same fate and he's going to be visited by three spirits who will warn him and he must listen or be cursed to have the same chains on him. He's then visited by the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come who show him great and terrible things including the death of Bob Cratchit's small son, Tiny Tim, and ultimately Scrooge sees his own grave. Scrooge awakens on Christmas morning a completely changed man. He makes a large donation to the charity that he rejected the previous day. Anonymously, he sends a large turkey to the Cratchit family, and he spends an afternoon with his nephew Fred's family. The following day, he gives Cratchit a raise, and he begins to become a father figure to Tiny Tim. From then on, Scrooge treats everyone with kindness, generosity, and compassion. Now, that's a story. That's a story. Someone is, is awakened to not just his own needs, and his, but, he, but everybody around him, and he says, I'm going to live my life for other people and be a giving person. Now, there is another story in the Bible that contains a similar warning about the way you treat others, but it ends a lot differently. And it goes like this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that you in your lifetime, you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here while you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to there cannot, nor can anyone cross from over there to us. And he answered, please then, I beg you to send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will also not come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said, if they do not listen to Moses and to the prophets, they won't be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. What I want us to see from these two stories is the fact that sometimes if we're not careful, we will fall asleep when we are inattentive to the lives and the needs of others. So in our first story, we had Scrooge who wasn't wanting to help to give a donation to help the poor. He wasn't willing to be merciful at all to his employee, to be kind to him at all, to his family, nor to even his own nephew. And then in the next story, we have a person who has a poor beggar sitting right outside his gates. Now think about what that means. The rich man went out of his house every day and passed the person 
every day. So part of this story that we just read is about the way that you see others and how you respond. And my question for us is, are we falling asleep by becoming inattentive to the lives and the needs of other people? I know for me it's been very hard because whenever we're told and we, we, we have to quarantine and we have to, we have to take care of ourselves and all those things are good. But I'm afraid that we're asleep when we're more worried about our own existence than about other people. We're asleep when we're more worried about me than about God's magnification. We need less survival and we need more revival. We need less selfishness and more selflessness. We need to exchange our five to ten year life plans for an eternal plan. Are we paying attention to the needs of those who are right in front of us? If you are awake to the needs of others, your being awake could make a difference in their life. A simple invitation could change someone's life. Maybe if you say, count on me to someone, that might mean the difference between them continuing in an addiction or not. Maybe you saying something like, don't do it, can change a decision to end a life. Maybe a simple question like, can I pray for you, can bring someone back who has departed from the ways of the Lord. You being awake can transform a life. So I want to ask you this morning, what is your story? Are you fully alive and awake to what God is calling you to? Are you listening for his voice daily? Or have you fallen asleep? Have you become so busy with mundane stuff that you've let your relationship with God take a back seat? Have you been missing opportunities to be with the Lord? Have you become unaware of the passing of time? Have you been attentive to the needs of others? But here's all the good news. The good news is we can wake up right now. We can wake up today. We can wake up and say, God, please help me to be attentive to others. Please help me to, to be awake to the passing of time. Help me to count my days. Help me to know what is important in this life. And so my prayer for all of us today is that we will be awakened by Jesus right now today. And I want you to know that we are here for you. We want to pray for you. I would love for you to pray for me because, as I said, this sermon is for me. And I hope that if, if you're out there and you're struggling with these very same things, you'll find someone to pray with. I know, I believe our elders are available at the back. If, uh, if you need to pray with someone, please do that. I want to encourage you to do that. But if you have any needs, we want to ask you to, uh, to ask us to pray for you. Let us know what you need. And we're going to stand together and, uh, and sing a song. Let's stand.